0: Welcome to Atari Bites, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 71. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. It's episode 71. 71 like the year. 1971. The dawning of the age of Aquarius. The I don't actually know if that's true or not, but it sounds cool. But it was the, the start of... Of a new decade of, you know, rising oil prices, and Watergate scandals, and bad polyester clothing. And, where was I going with this? And also, before you write in and yell at me, I know 1971 wouldn't be the first year of the 70s. That would be uh, 1970. I get that. But, we're talking about 71 this week, so that's what I'm going with. Alright, so what's new everybody? Just came off of the holiday weekend for me. Uh, Memorial Day weekend just ended a couple days ago. This is a rare Wednesday recording for me. I wasn't around last weekend to do a recording. I happen to be home today uh, from my day job, waiting to pick up the kids. It's their last day of school. That's all very exciting. It's weird when you're a kid because you have a job, right? You have to go to school and do your work and all that. But you have the times when your job just stops, right? The school year ends. And your employer tells you, go home. Don't come back for two and a half months. What other job does that? It's really weird. Plus, my daughter gets to have ice cream twice today because clearly they're going to get a lot done at their job, uh, such as it is today. But that's all right because I get an ice cream treat of my own, something even sweeter than ice cream. I get to talk to you people today. Ah, how nice is that? Nope, no hot fudge for me. Instead, I've got the news. Hey, here's what's something on my news list we haven't done for a while. Uh, Let's do an Atari movie update. If you remember, in May 2016, it was announced that Atari was teaming up with a production company to develop movies based on the iconic Missile Command and Centipede movies. Well, I am excited now in May of 2017 to tell you Really, there hasn't been much else said about that. uh, That I know of, anyway. If any of you have heard anything, let me know. There is, of course, a Centipede comic starting, I believe, in July. And, of course, we just saw the launch recently of a Sword Quest comic. No news about any sort of um, comic from Missile Command, although that could be interesting. And no news at all about any movies that I know of. So, yeah, there we are. There's your Atari movie update, such as it is. In other news, uh, last week... I talked about Star Raiders, of course. Oh, I'm sorry, wait. Hold on, let me do that better. Star Raiders! I don't really know that you have to say it like that. It just feels like that's how it should be said. So, I talked about Star Raiders on Episode 70, and I mentioned that I have in my possession the game cartridge, the instruction manual, the video touchpad, which Atari, at the time, was all excited about developing, so that they could use it with a bunch of different games, but as it turned out, it only ever uh, got used... the only target game that ever actually used it was Star Raiders. I have that. I have the box that the video touchpad came in. I do not have the packaging that the cartridge in the manual came in, and I was a little bit perplexed because I couldn't remember getting them together, you know, bundled together, uh, all of that, but as I kind of worked through my research on the game, which, uh, you know, full disclosure, I kind of did as I was talking to you on the podcast, it became clear that I must have. That must have been how they were bundled together, which makes sense, particularly because at that time, and really any time after that, there were no other games that used the video touchpad, so you wouldn't buy one unless you were going to play Star Raiders. Or, sorry, Star Raiders! So, this week, Ferg, I'm in kind of a... uh, uh... Spunky mood. Wow, well, that sounds weird. I'll go with it anyway. I'm in a spunky mood right now, so I'm going to go ahead and call Ferg the uh, Father of uh, podcasting in the retro gaming community. Of course, he hosts the Atari Game by Game podcast, but you already know that uh, probably if you're listening to this show. He uh, reached out to me on Facebook this week to confirm what I just said, which is basically that, yeah, those two things were bundled together. He mentioned that Star Raiders was packaged with the video touchpad in a larger outer box like Indy 500, at least in 1982, which is probably when I got it. He does say that the 1987 box doesn't mention it at all, which would make the game impossible to play. So now, maybe it was 87. I don't... I kind of think by 87, Atari die-hard fans, maybe close your ears for a second. But I think by 1987, I had kind of moved on to Nintendo. Um, maybe it wasn't quite that early. I'm not sure. I still had the Atari and I still played it, but I kind of at some point in there, I, I sort of made the switch to uh, the uh, NES system. Um, so I uh, maybe I got Star Raiders in '87, but I, it might have been earlier. Ferg says that I doubt they were still making them then in '87, uh, which I, I think what he means is they weren't. These were still ones that they had, and they're putting out uh, in in new boxes. The touchpad is also interchangeable with the keyboard controllers and the kids' controller. Um, I have the keyboard controller. Uh, Thanks, by the way, for the comment. I I did mention to him that I didn't know that there ever was a kids' controller, but evidently that's a thing. Uh, So I looked it up, uh, and I found it on Atariage, of course, where you can find everything. It's a huge... uh, (laughs) That was my first reaction, just pulling it up just now, and I realized But that's also what Ferg said uh, when I told him. I've never heard of this before and he said it's huge when I read that initially Ferg I thought you were saying it was like a really exciting popular thing I I think literally what you were saying was it's a huge controller because it is it looks like a desktop telephone without the receiver right it's just a big square blue box with uh, you know like numbered uh, touch uh, buttons Uh, touch buttons what am I trying to say A keyboard kind of thing. uh, With numbers, like on a telephone uh, dialing pad or or on a calculator or something. The one on Atari Age is the Atari 2600CX23, intended for children's television workshop series of games. Functionality is the same as a touchpad or keyboard controller, but a larger size that's easier for children to use. Overlays for the controller were sold with the games. I guess the games are Alpha Bean... Sorry... I'm uh, having trouble with my glasses here. Alpha Beam with Ernie. Bitbird's Egg Catch. Bitbird's Egg Catch again. I'm not sure why it's on here twice. Cookie Monster Munch. Grover's Music Maker. Holy Moly. Uh, Holy Moly Self-Published. Uh, Monster Size. Dancer's Trash Race. Uh, sorry. Man, my glasses are failing me today. Oscar's Trash Race. And Peekaboo. These are all Atari games, except for the one Holy Moly Self-Published game, Not sure why that was. If anyone has any insight into these children's television workshop series of games, let me know. I I was a big uh, Sesame Street fan, but by the time I was playing Atari, I was well beyond my Sesame Street days, uh, which would explain uh, why I never had these games or a kid's controller. But being a completist now, as a nerdy adult and hosting an Atari-themed podcast, I guess I'm now curious about these games. So if any of you knows about these, let me know. I also got an audio submission from Jim at Pie Factory Podcast about Star Raiders. I won't spoil it for you. Just listen to this, because he points out something that never occurred to me, and it's going to blow your mind. So listen.
1: Hey, Bill. Uh, Jim from the Pie Factory Podcast here. Um, I just wanted to um, tell you about a discovery I made about Star Raiders. I think it was last year, might be the year before. But um, listen to the three tones that are played before and after every game. Alright, got that? Now, I'm thinking of a certain movie... Uh, I believe it was 1977, maybe 1978. Um, uh, Just listen to this. Yeah, uh, I think they got the three tones... That start and end every round of um, Star Raiders from the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Those are the first three notes of the five-note sequence that was made famous in the film. This means something. This means something. I'm not crazy, am I? I hate these mashed potatoes. There's a dead fly in my mashed potatoes. At any rate... Love your show. Keep up the good work. Yada, yada, yada.
0: Bye-bye. Huh? Didn't I tell you? It blows your mind, doesn't it? It makes total sense. Uh, I don't know what it means, if they were ripping off Close Encounters or not. Um, I would like to see the Close Encounters Atari game. If someone can make that happen, let me know. Thanks, Jim, for pointing that out. Let's see. In other news, I was poking around on the internet recently. I don't even remember what I was actually looking for. But it was one of those things where you're on YouTube looking for something, and something else catches your eye, and you end up wandering off to look at that thing. And in this case, the thing that caught my eye was a Richard Dean Anderson as MacGyver in a mini MacGyver episode. And I thought, well, what the hell is this? And it turns out, in 2012, you know, well after the TV series MacGyver ended, he made a... It is a basically a commercial for the Mercedes, Sedan uh, or Sedan, C I T A N, uh, a car obviously. Uh, Mercedes Benz was promoting this new vehicle um, that kind of looks to me like a uh, like a super Forester kind of thing, SUV sort of looking thing. It's a nice enough looking car. Um, so they made this commercial, but what they did was they made it was like a 10 minute movie made as a MacGyver episode. The version I watched on YouTube, someone had posted with their own sort of beginning and ending credits in the style of the original series. Uh, And then the middle part was this commercial, which is about, like I said, about 10 minutes long. And it's just a it's actually a pretty nice little mini MacGyver episode. They handle the, the fact that it's commercial pretty well. The car is in the show, is in the episode, but it's not they don't do any sort of fetish, like, you know, stroking the the dashboard or long, lingering shots of the interior and stuff. Uh, MacGyver's, uh, the premise of the episode is that MacGyver's sort of retired from, from adventuring in the spy game, and he runs, like, a Mr. Fix-It kind of shop. And him and his daughter, he has a daughter in this episode, which is not canon, I realize he had a son, but, you know, when you think about in the episode, if you really want to make this canon, the kid is young enough that it could have been a daughter that was born after the series ended. So, nerds, calm down. So, his daughter works with him, and they, they get hired. I guess they're going to fix the air conditioning or something at some building. And, you know, in typical MacGyver fashion, he kind of stumbles onto this uh, these bad guys trying to steal something. Um, I watched this several days ago. I don't remember what they were trying to steal or if it was ever really even clear. Some sort of electronic thing. MacGyver stumbles on these bad guys, and there's a chase, and you know he's got to he's got to try and slow the bad guys down in the building. Does some nifty little MacGyverisms with the electronic parts of the uh, building and the lights and stuff, and uh, and then ends up catching these guys. And like I said, the, the car is in it, obviously, but they don't make a big deal about the car. Um, they just kind of show it driving around and stuff. Uh, and it's actually not a bad little ten-minute episode. I think the idea was to make several of these. I keep seeing references when I poke around the internet about this, but I can't tell that they ever actually did. Um, a couple things i read talked about, they're bringing three episodes, but I can only ever find the one. The Mercedes-Benz Citan is a panel van, a mini MPV, five-door panel van, 1,461cc engine. It is a panel van and badge-engineered variant of the Renault, Kangaroo introduced in 2012 by Mercedes-Benz as a replacement for the Vaneo. Uh, I'm not a car guy. Um, I, I know even less about Mercedes-Benz specifically than I do about cars in general. Wikipedia talks about the MacGyver commercials being a series of short films titled MacGyver and the New Satan, shot in Johannesburg, South Africa in July 2012. I wonder if... I watched it as one big 10-minute episode, but I guess maybe when it originally aired, it could have been broken up into smaller pieces. I guess that would make sense. Yeah, I could see that, I guess. I don't know. Uh, If any of you knows more about these uh, MacGyver Satan Satan commercials, let me know. I thought it was kind of fun. I don't remember seeing these before. Like I said, it was just sort of a fun thing to find when I wasn't really even looking for that. So there you go. All right, well, that's enough of that. Uh Let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is. Atari's new video game is more fun to play. Atari's new Indy 500 is more fun because it's so action-packed. <laughs> Atari's new combat is more fun because it's less challenging. <laughs> Atari's new RC battle is more fun because it's just like the real thing.
1: From UltraPong to our new programmable video computer system, Atari's
0: got more original games and more than the next one on video. Combat, from Atari, 1977. Combat, I believe, was one of the original nine Atari games that came out with the system in 1977, and I have to imagine that it probably blew people's minds at the time, um, because it is a—it's a simple game, obviously, given the limitations at the time but it is also really kind of fun and addictive to uh, go head-to-head with somebody and, and play a game that really is pretty simple, but um, just you can just have a really good time just playing this dumb little game against somebody. Uh, we're using the joystick controller for this one. Be sure the joystick controller cables are firmly plugged into the controller jacks at the back of your Atari video game computer system. I've been lax in reminding you guys of this lately. Uh, when I read through the instructions. So I wanted to make sure that I I reminded you, hey, plug in your jacks. For one-player games, use the joystick controller plugged into the left controller jack. Hold the joystick with the red button to your upper left toward the television screen. Once again, by God, I cannot stress that enough. Uh, I shudder to think how many weeks now uh, you people have been trying to play these games and have been frustrated due simply to poor lack of of, uh, awareness, poor... Poor joystick holding form, so keep that in mind. Um, there's a little figure, there are little diagrams in the manual that show you uh, how to move your uh, how to move your joystick to make the tanks move around. Basically, what it amounts to is forward is up, forward left, forward right, or to the left and to the right. Uh, it's all pretty self-explanatory. To control your biplanes, different movements of the joystick translate into medium dive, fast dives, and slow dives. And for the jet fighters, uh, you have Fast left, right left, fast and slow, being up or down, respectively. Um, pretty self-explanatory. You can just kind of figure it out by playing the game. As a rule of thumb, game action for tank and jet fighter games is viewed from the top. By playing, game action is viewed from the side. All games end af- after 2 minutes, 16 seconds. Not sure how they decide on 2 minutes, 16 seconds. I assume it has something to do with the amount of memory or whatever required to uh, do the programming. And that's kind of the maximum they could afford to allow. Or maybe they just decided in 1977, the average attention span was 2 minutes and 16 seconds. I don't really know. Fire your missile by pushing the right button on your joystick controller. In those games where the missile action is described as straight, the missile travels in a straight line. Machine gun missiles are rapid fire straight missiles. In guided missile games, the missile uh, can be turned to follow your opponent by moving the joystick right or left after firing. For tank pong games only, the missile will bounce off the walls and barriers as shown in figure six. Here you go. Can everyone see in the back? Alright, thanks. Difficulty switches. The normal position for your difficulty switch is B. When your switch is in the B is in the A position, all missiles have shorter ranges and jets and biplanes fly slower. Um, you can set the TV type switch to colors. We have a color television set, so it's black and white if you're playing the game in black and white. If you try to set the color selection switch to color and you're playing on a black and white TV, I'm pretty sure that Australia sinks into the ocean. I don't know why that is, but I'm pretty sure that's what happens. So, for goodness sakes, leave the Aussies alone and don't mess with the color selection switch. Tank games. The object of tank is to hit your opponent as many times as you can before the game ends. You score one point for each hit. Game one is an open field, two is an easy maze, the three is another easy maze, then the next two games are complex mazes. The two the open field and easy maze are guided missiles. The uh, second easy maze and the complex maze are straight and guided missiles respectively. and the uh, game 5 complex maze uh, features straight missiles. In direct hit tank pawn games, you can score points with either direct hits or billiard hits. Billiard hits are ricocheted or rebounded off walls or barriers before they hit the target. In billiard hit games, no direct hits are allowed. Your missile must rebound at least once before hitting the target. If you hit your own tank with your missile, you will not be penalized. Invisible tank games. These are kind of mind scrambles. You and your opponent are invisible to each other, except when a missile is fired or when a hit is made. In addition, the tanks become visible whenever they bump into a wall or barrier. The tank games I I don't like as much, I guess, as the fighter jet planes, but it is kind of fun to play the invisible tanks uh, every now and then, because it just looks weird. Or doesn't look weird, I guess, depending on your perspective. Invisible Tank Pong Games. Combine the invisible play feature with the missile action of Tank Pong. Uh, those are games 12, 13, and 14. The biplane and jet fighter games play on the two play fields shown above. There you go. Either it's open sky or clouds, basically is what it amounts to. Clouds are kind of nice because you can kind of hide in the clouds sometimes a little bit. Biplane Games. Become the scourge of the skies. Defeat the Red Baron once and for all. So... How does that make you the Scourge of the Skies? I'm confused. I would think defeating the Red Baron is a bad thing. Or excuse me. I would think that defeating the Red Baron is a good thing. Unless Snoopy has been lying to me all these years. Say it ain't so, Snoopy. Say it ain't so. Jet Fighter Games. Just how good a jet jockey are you? Here's a chance to find out. Those are games numbers uh, 21 through 24. Uh, And then you have, if you are super good, here are some variations to try. The jets fly in formation and shoot at the same time when you push the firing button. Uh, Those are games number uh, 25, 26, and 27. At the end of the manual, there's a game select matrix, with all the different possible variations of tanks, or invisible tanks, or biplanes, or jet fighters. You got clouds, you got billiard hits, you got open sky, you got cloudy sky. Easy mazes, complex mazes. On and on, ad infinitum. Uh, You want it, Combat will give it to you. Combat was released in September 1977, as I said, one of the original nine launch titles for the system, uh, and was included in the box with the system for its introduction until 1982. Combat was based on uh, two earlier black-and-white coin-operated arcade games produced by Atari Tank, published under the Key Games name in 1974, and Jet Fighter in 1975. Earlier in 1977, Coleco had released the similarly titled Telestar or Telestar Combat, an entry in its Telstar series of dedicated consoles. Unlike uh, that game, Combat had color graphics and numerous gameplay variations. The 27 game modes featured a variety of different combat scenarios, including tanks, biplanes, and jet fighters. And then all the other interesting uh, uh, tank pong and invisibility options that we talked about. Atari also produced a version of Combat for Sears titled Tank Plus, alluding to the original arcade game Tank combat was programmed by Joe DeCour and Larry Wagner. Design credit also goes to Steve Mayer and Larry Kaplan. It was released in Europe in 1978. Video Magazine uh, reviewed the game uh, as part of a general review of the Atari uh, video computer system. Uh, Collectively, the Tank games were praised for their sound effects and given a review score of 6 out of 10. The Tank Pong games uh, were scored a 7.5 out of 10. The Invisible Tank games uh, were called Hard to Get Used To But Interesting and scored Uh, 6.5 out of 10. Invisible Tank Pong games got 7.5 out of 10. Both sets of biplane games got a 6 out of 10 and were described as not so different from the previous lot, meaning tank and Pong variations. The Jet Fighter games got a collective score of 6 out of 10 and were described as pretty much more the same with different plane pieces. There was a sequel, uh, developed by Atari and announced in 1982 that was supposed to come out in 1984, but as with so many of these things, the video game crash of 1983 caused the game to be delayed and finally cancelled. Uh, while the game never hit store shelves, 250 copies of prototype, uh, the prototype were produced in cartridge format and sold at Classic Gaming Expo in 2001. Uh, side note, if anyone has one of those, or has played it, or seen it, let me know. Atari finally officially released the game on the Atari Flashback 2 Dedicated console in 2005. It has seen two subsequent releases: a 2011 Nintendo DS compilation, Atari's Greatest Hits Volume 2, and a 2012 iPhone and Android app, Atari Greatest Hits. Combat 2 featured a more sophisticated version of the original tank game, with tanks requiring multiple hits to destroy, and multiple and missile bases with an outs, outer barrier, which took many hits to chip through, but the appropriate tank could hide within and the ability to launch a large homing missile at very slow intervals. The game's single-action button fired the tank's guns normally, but launched a missile if pressed while the tank was within the missile base. Destroying an opponent's missile base also eliminated all of their reserve tanks. It took place in a forest environment divided by a river that could be crossed by either two bridges, and in some modes, the tanks could move under the trees, and in others, the tanks were forced to go around or shoot their way through solid barriers. Space Combat was the Sears version of the game Space War already visually similar to combat. Players control a starship that moved by applying thrust, similar to the vessel from Asteroids, with the ability to fire straight missiles and enter hyperspace to avoid being hit. A 3D remake, that sounds interesting, developed by Magic Lantern and published by Infogames, was released in 2001 for Windows. Combat was made available on Microsoft's Game Room service for its Xbox 360 console and for Windows-based PCs on March 24, 2010. 8-Bit Central tells us that Combat was the pat game for the Atari 2600 from launch and on into the early 80s. The graphics are simple, but most kids in the late 70s seem to expect more. Everyone owned it, but no one wanted to play it. Uh, it's then their opinion that today, so many years later, folks seem to find it all the rage. He, th- This reviewer thinks that people hated it so much at the time it came out that uh, and didn't play it, it feels like a new game now. Uh, this reviewer is not crazy about the. Does like the tanks. Does like the invisible options. Uh, is not crazy about the biplane and jet variants. It just seems like the same thing in a slightly different draft. I get that. I, it just to me. It, f- it just feels more pleasurable to play the the plane versions. Airplane versions. Uh, final judgment. Atari Combat isn't the kind of game you rush home to play. But when you have a player two on hand you'll be surprised at how fast the competition rises. It was a freebie pack entitled for the 2600, but still packs a lot of fun for two. Uh, and I guess that's what it com- kind of comes down to, right? At the time, in 1977, you're already super psyched about this home video game thing, and they give you a free game. And I have to think at the time, you probably thought this was great. And I do think, like I said, I played all by myself today. But it is, the, the fun is pumped up when you have an opponent. Absolutely. All right. So after the break, we're going to get all combative up in here. Wow, that was lame. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. See, we're getting combative already. I totally called it. Even on a jet plane, don't know when I'll be back again. Oh, wait, I'm already here. Alright, let's play. So I'm playing one of the jet fighter games. Uh, I chose one of these just because of the choices, the biplanes and the tanks and the jet fighters. I just think the jet fighters are the coolest looking and the most fun to play. The tanks, to me, look move too slow. I know they're trying to move like tanks, but it's frustratingly slow to me. Um, the jets move a lot quicker. Um, the, the movement is kind of, dare I say, realistic. That's a bit of a stretch, I know, but I, I like how they move. Um, you know, I like the uh, fact you can kind of hide in the clouds a little bit. Uh, my planes don't really grab me as much because it just looks odd, especially the ones, I guess the jet fighters have those, have these two, where you have like two or three jet fighters at once, but they all move um, in tandem, and it's just a little weird. So I'm playing one of the jet fighter games where you just have the one fighter, and you're chasing each other. Full disclosure, I'm playing all by myself, because I want to be all by myself. Um, Rumor has it, according to the manual, there are one-player games in combat, but I couldn't find one as I was scrolling through the games today, so right now I'm just sort of mercilessly pounding the crap out of the green plane with my little pink plane. They're just like, come on man, I'm just trying to get home to lunch, leave me alone. Mom, he's picking on me. Score is five to zero. I am really good at this game where I have no competition. Alright, I'm getting the flashy side. This game's about in the books. Your face Green Plane. Seven Zip. Woo! Who's the combat champion? Back to you in the studio. Okay, so here's the thing with combat. Where the hell are the one-player games? The manual promises us that there are some one-player games in here, but I couldn't find any of them, which is why I had to play all by myself uh, against a uh, an opponent that just kind of stood there or floated there, in the case of the jet fighter uh, games. You can kind of understand why that one-player games are hard to find, or maybe not. Uh, and maybe there aren't as many, or in my case, any, that I could find for some reason. Because this combat is really made for two players. That's where the fun comes in. You against a computer in any game is oh, is not as much fun as you against another person, of course. But combat really seems made for that. Uh, I like I this game. I said it in the field report. I said it earlier. Uh, it's simple, yeah, but it's... It's just uh, it's a simple enough game that a couple people could pick it up and play it without uh, being bogged down in a lot of instructions and and strategy and whatnot and just have a good time. So I give this a good rating to the extent that I give ratings for anything. But of course, you know, we really want to talk about what's going on inside the game, right? What's the story? What's if we take a bite out of this game? What what uh, what are we chewing on? gristle? Is it sweet, sweet chocolate? You know, what What do we got? I don't think what we have here is, is a simple little war story. Right? That's too on the nose. That's too obvious. That's been done. Maybe not in 1977, but it's certainly been done since then. I think what we're seeing here is it's more like a, uh, you know, a, a Shakespearean story of estranged lovers or, maybe not estranged, but, but, Yeah, romance gone to seed to to couples who have forgotten what it means to be a couple and not rolling out heavy artillery, as everyone does, eventually. In short, I think that what we have is not so much a wartime skirmish, but an escalating war between lovers. And I think it probably developed something like this. Toss me an iced tea, she said. Sure, he said, and chucked the bottle of raspberry refreshment to his new bride. It's not cold. Yeah, I drank the last cold one this morning. I can throw that one in the freezer if you want. No, she says. No, it's okay. But it's not okay. Cut to later. He's not sure how many X-Men comic issues there have been, but he's determined to find out. The completest in him won't rest. There's a reason he's the only guy at work with all 19 issues of the hard-to-find comic based on the hit 1980s sitcom Growing Pains. He had to do it. He simply had to have them all. Even the one with uh, that kid that Leonardo DiCaprio played. You know, even the ones where he showed up. His shelf devoted to comic adaptations of ABC's TGI Friday television lineup wouldn't look right without those Growing Pains comics. And this completest streak in him is why the day that he discovered that she had donated to charity his box containing all the issues of the 1999-2001 to 2001 run of Bishop, The Last X-Man, he almost cried. Okay, he teared up a little. Okay, fine, he bawled, okay? Wept uncontrollably with snot and everything. She even kept the donation receipt for herself for tax purposes. That was his deduction, darn it. To paraphrase Bugs Bunny? Of course you realize, this means war. This is from, of course, Bully for Bugs, 1953. Her response to that? Bring it. The petty bickering went on for weeks. Finally, when the weekly trip to the farmer's market degenerated into a shouting match over free-range artichokes, both sides had had enough. After the artisanal birdhouse woodworking booth had gone under, some of the hipsters were outraged by the decision to bring in locally sourced military-grade assault vehicles and aircraft. Today, though, coconut water splashed and barrels of quinoa sprayed their contents like so much buckshot as this feud moved to the battlefield. Your internet TV sucks. Boom! Distressed plywood flooring is not only cheaper than hardwood, it looks way trappier, too. And when they tired of tanks, they moved on to planes. When they were bored with that, they fought with jets. Fortunately, both he and she were lousy shots. Still, the rain of tears, rebukes, and machine gun fire may have left the two standing, but didn't leave them unscathed. Through the fog of war, it was hard to tell who surrendered first. The certainty each had that it was actually the other who gave up first would help cement an everlasting peace. But first, the two climbed from their jets, each discreetly tossing away their air airsick bags, and stood there, the cacophony echoing around them. As the smoke cleared, they smiled sheepishly at each other. Want to grab a pizza, he asked. Goat cheese, she asked. He made a face. Her hand twitched for the trigger to the rocket launcher that wasn't there. But in the end, they compromised on Stromboli. Then, the young couple went home for a quiet evening of togetherness. Her upstairs with Hulu, and him downstairs with Netflix. Peace reigned throughout the land. And that's our show. My thanks to Kevin MacLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. You can find Atari Bytes on many podcatchers, including Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and iTunes. Where you should leave a review. No need to be combative, just leave a review. Everything's good? No worries. You can also support the show financially at the Atari Bytes Patreon page or by picking up Atari Bytes merchandise at Zazzle.com. Email the show at ataribytes Bytes 2016 at gmail.com. Like the Atari Bytes Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. And, of course, don't forget to check out my other show. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown, for all your animated Peanuts, Charlie Brown, and Snoopy needs. New episodes drop on the 15th of every month. Next time on Atari Bytes. We're taking off into the future with Choplifter for the 7800. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.
1: (laughs) Oh, oh, oh,